Welcome to the Artist and Podcast, a series of conversations about the visual arts. I'm Kira Hinton. And I'm Jamin Still. We want to invite you to listen in as we talk to visual artists of all kinds about issues we face in our work. So whether you're a visual artist, interested in the visual arts, or want to learn how to support the artists in your life, we hope these discussions will pull back the curtain a bit, leaving you feeling inspired. And perhaps a little less alone. Hello, and welcome to the Artist and Podcast. I'm Kira Hinton, and I am so excited for the episode that we're going to have today. We are going to talk through uh, creativity and inspiration, how we nourish it, how we kind of keep it alive, um, and what we do when maybe we're running out of that creativity or inspiration. How do we work through creative blocks, those kinds of things. Um, Jamin and I are both here, uh, but we have two new guests with us. Uh, We've got Ella Mine, uh, who is a painter and musician in Nashville, Um, and we've got Tim Joyner, and uh, we're going to both actually try to to introduce them without letting them introduce themselves. And we're going to see, we're going to guess and see how much of this we can get right. So Jamin, you want to, you want to take a shot first? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and introduce Tim Joyner. Um, Tim is uh, from Massachusetts. Um, he is a, a worship pastor. I believe he lives at the church that he um, serves in perhaps behind the altar um, <laughs> with, with his family and kids. We're not sure. Uh, he is also a painter, clearly. Uh, he's on here. He, he has an artistic expression other than music. He, he does some painting as well. And he likes to make his own paints. Um, I don't think I'm going to embellish this too much more. Tim, uh, is that largely accurate right i was nodding encouragingly the whole time that was pretty good the only thing i'd clarify is that the uh worship pastor makes me sound much more qualified than i am let's say worship leader (laughs) and i'm also a groundskeeper and janitor on the side so do you live do you live behind the altar yeah it's right behind the altar it's like (laughs) four by four it's pretty good for my family of six if we had a baptismal (laughs) they would put us there but we you know we don't have one of those so what a shame. Awesome. As well, janitor, we're really excited. Right. We're really excited you're joining awesome. us. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to try to introduce Ella. Ella and I kind of are friends, I think. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so Ella is uh, an amazing musician. Um, and I I am a little bit of like I'll fangirl a little bit because I listen to her music anytime I'm working, um, and so you will probably you might know her from Dream Warp, but she also uh, is in other bands, does other music, and is just really wonderful. I think she's descended uh, from part like forest sprite fairy something. She just has this very um, I don't know mystical thing about her. She also paints, has picked up oil painting in the last couple years and does chalk animation um, for like music videos and advertisements and they're incredible. Um, I think her husband might be famous also, maybe family. (laughs) None of them really though as much as she is. She's definitely the coolest 
Um, I don't know. Is that right? Am I close? That's mostly right, yeah. Okay, cool. I don't need to <laughs> clarify. <any of> it. <laughs> Perfect. We'll I go with that perception. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now, you guys had asked if you could introduce us, which I think would be really valuable since we're on episode three. It's been a long time since our intro, and maybe our listeners don't know who we are uh, doing this. So, you guys want to take a stab at it? See if you can introduce us. Yes. Can I introduce you, Kira? Oh, you betcha. Awesome. Um, okay, so Kira Hinton has been painting for a couple hundred years, it looks like, based on the skill level that we see. <laughs> um, she mixes. Basically, this is for you kids out there who wouldn't understand the technical terms. Basically, Kira mixes paints that you're not supposed to mix together, and then they destroy each other. And she takes pictures of it happening, and it makes really, really incredible art. But she also can do, um, she also does amazing traditional acrylic work in a non-traditional fashion, perhaps, um, which I, ha- I get to have all over my house. It's amazing. Uh, Kira, what, what am I missing here? That was, you, that was exactly right. Um, only thing is, I've been doing it for... Like 180. Oh, years okay. So. My mistake. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You really got that. It's close, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My you, turn? You got that very close. Yeah. Okay. Well, I get to get to know Jamin first through his art, which is always a treat to get to know someone that way. He has one of the most immediately recognizable styles of any artist that I know you write, you know, right away when it's one of his pieces. I would say he tells stories through his paintings, and then tell stories about his paintings after the fact, too, which I think is pretty amazing. There it is. That's accurate. Tim is the nicest one of us. That's really what all these, all of our listeners need to know. Tim, Tim is the nicest one of all of us. This is great. So in light of uh, the four of us coming together for this conversation, our icebreaker this episode is going to be a little bit unique. Um, we're going to, so Tim actually does, uh, you forage for your, your inks, your paints from materials on the grounds around where you live, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So you will go find something and you'll make paint out of it. And in like the spirit of that, our question is, our icebreaker is if you could make paint or an art supply, out of anything in the world, you could distill something down and paint with it, what would it be? And Tim will probably have something like very cool because he actually does this. The rest of us will be weirdos. Um, you want to, I don't know, who wants to start? Who wants to take a stab at it first? I can go first, but it's not something that I have actually made or could actually make. But Ooh, okay, love the, it. the first thing I thought of when you asked the question was that color is just as much about Um, the way it refracts light as it is about the actual tone. Um, You know, so that's why we have different blacks that we love and things like that. You know, the ways that they play with our eyes. So along those lines, if I could choose one thing that I could get onto a canvas, it would be the sheen of human skin. You know, the way it catches light and it shines it back in just the most perfect way. Um, There's usually some iridescence that you can catch if you look really closely 
and just like the texture of it is amazing. And like, no matter what shade of human skin, it all kind of does something similar as far as the way that it sends the light back, which is just one of the most incredible things that I can think of. That's it. That's what I want. (laughs) What a cool answer. Oh my gosh. I love that. It is weird when you say it like you want to bottle human skin. Into it, <laughs> right. But it's totally normal. Like incredible concept. <laughs> no, that's that's amazing. I love that so much. Oh man. We always ask these questions, but we don't let ourselves like come up with answers ahead of time. So we're really haven't we're on the spot here. All right, I'll go. Uh dreams. I, I would paint yeah, I'd I'd have a, a a bottled dream because that's um in a way that's what I try to paint sometimes or or the, the that feeling and it would make my work so much easier if I could just like slather that on the canvas and not actually have to work at it. Um, <laughs> it just comes straight from the tube. That'd be great. Um but yeah, I think I think that's my answer. Dreams. That's amazing. Who's next? Um I would like uh, do, do you know, Kira, I think I happen to have mentioned this exact feeling with you last week. Um, I would love to bottle the, and be able to paint with a color of the feeling of, <laughs> um, if you have been in your car, okay, this is, there's steps to this, okay, <laughs> you've been in your car crying, and then happen to be in a sunbeam and falling asleep after crying while you're still in your car and then waking up. So the feeling of <laughs> waking up after having fallen asleep in your car in a sunbeam after having cried. <laughs> I want to paint it with that. Has this, has this happened? Just enough time right. that this is, would be worth having for me. Is this what it means to be enough an artist? Enough that she knows the color. <laughs> it's yeah. part of it. Is this what it means to be an artist that none of us just said, like, Apple? We all have these weird, trippy, trippy answers, bottled skin and tears and sunlight and dreams. Oh, well, let's see. Maybe Kira will say apple. Right. Now I I ruined it. It was going to be apple. I really am. I was like, crap, I have to come up with something more creative now. Jeez. Oh, okay. So, yeah, my like more like physical, like, oh, man, if I could like capture this, my answer was going to be. Um, like morning sun coming through mist. So like when the mist is rising off of the earth and the sun comes through it, that feeling somehow paint with that. That's what I want. But if I go like more metaphorical past an actual thing that you could maybe try to capture, um, it's like the wonder of when you truly see someone, like you see their soul, their like personhood. And you're just like, huh, you're really cool. Like that feeling. I want to paint with that. Um, Just like wonder, awe, when you like see it, like truly see someone. And I guess it could be like someone or something, just like that, like where you like are in awe of humanity probably, specifically. So would you mix that with other things or would that be the only... I would mix that with dreams and skin tone and uh, falling asleep in your car in a sunbeam after you've cried. 
Like, I think that palette really works well together. Jives overall. It well, actually kind of does a little bit. All of those vibe very well. You guys are cool kids. All right. Mm. Well, we, we should get um, into what we're going to talk about. Should we move into like the serious part? No more laughter, guys. None at all. Just kidding. Zip it. Just kidding. No, we are. We're going to launch into the the issue of man inspiration and blocks. I guess depending on on how you want to look at it, um, whether you are kind of proactive in maintaining your inspiration, or I'm going to tip my hand a little bit and say um, if you're a little reactive, well after the fact, having maybe lost your inspiration, trying to get it back. Um, so maybe you could talk about it in those designations, or you can just talk about it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to launch into the conversation here. Um, let's just start. I'm going to say, let's start with uh, Tim. And you can just kind of tell us your thoughts on inspiration, and we'll jump in with with questions or comments, and we're just going to go from there. Right. So <laughs> it's a hard question, right? Um, when Kira reached out, to, you know, to get some thoughts, you know, my first thought was I'm definitely the wrong person to have this conversation with because the discipline that I have in maintaining inspiration and how to respond to uh, the lack of it when that inevitably comes, um, there's like no discipline there. And then on top of that, I'm always really suspicious of the work that I do create when I'm forced to create from a place of discipline rather than a place of inspiration. Um, But I think that's probably the story for many or most artists, right? Um, Especially considering the fact that, you know, the millions and millions of people who might call themselves artists in the world, most of us are amateurs, you know, and I mean that the literal sense of the word and, you know, that we're lovers of, of the craft um, before there's any obligation that we've put on ourselves or others have put on us to, to create, Um, you know, so I, you know, I think that's something we all struggle with. And, you know, as I was kind of thinking through it and thinking through the ways that I have hopefully grown in these respects over the past couple of years, it's almost like I get to a point where I almost want to just, reject the question. (laughs) Um, And and by that, I mean that, um, you know, so the Rabbit Room Artists and have done such good work um, at uh, sending a message that we, if you think you're an artist, you're probably an artist, um, of encouraging people, giving them permission to live into their callings and their identities that they've been given and that they know that they have, whether or not that looks like pursuing art in a, in a full-time way or as a, you know, part of your income stream. Um, and that message has been super beneficial to me personally. And I know it has been to a lot of other people, but this question just kind of, it makes me think that our practices often are slow to catch up with our philosophy. Um, so, you know, if, if the ideas and practices that, that we, promote that we feel guilty if we don't live up to are centered mostly around what it means to be a professional working artist, then sometimes those practices can serve as almost gatekeeping devices in a way on what it means to be an artist. And so I don't think those those practices that we might look at are at all wrong, but I think that maybe there's something 
broader and deeper and more inherent to art making that includes maybe some of those traditional, yeah, this is what I do when I need to get inspired um, statements along with some of the things that, you know, look different when you are not creating full-time or even part-time and maybe just this much. Um, there's lots more that I'd love to say, but I'd love to hear other thoughts on that first. Hmm. I love the philosophy that you're coming from with the like need to be gentle first with yourself um, and with your creativity and kind of coming from that foundation um, and building from there. What do you, what does that kind of look like for you on a, like on the ground kind of basis when you're, you're working on a specific piece or uh, maybe working through a project or a commission? Like, what does that philosophy look like as you're, as you're walking it out? Right. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of overlap here with um, spiritual disciplines and practices. Um, just thinking about what even inspiration means. I think sometimes we define what might be better called um, like artistic ecstasy as inspiration and that they're maybe not the same thing. You know, if you're an artist, you have definitely experienced at least once, hopefully often, you know, one of those times when your mind, your spirit, your body, the inspiration, everything just lines up and you can feel everything and it feels beautiful and easy and fresh and new and all the things that we hope that art will always feel. That is not always going to happen. <laughs> um, and it's really unattainable to achieve that kind of state of creation consistently. Um, you know, so that's the overlap with the spiritual practices that, you know, I think if you are a, a person of faith too, that you've probably had experiences where all those things line up, whether it's a church service or your, you know, Bible study or you're by yourself reading your Bible, whatever, um, where mind, body, spirit, everything is all in alignment and it feels so good and you can just feel it and you know, and it's great. But right, those things are, are super fleeting, um, tend to be. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong with us as people of faith or as artists. I think, um, you know, a shift that has happened in my mind is just to see that, you know, as I've engaged more with um, place and being present in the world around me as much as I can be, that, you know, we believe that the whole world is charged with the presence of creator God. Um, so that because of that, the world is by essence inherently also charged with creativity and artistry so that when we're connecting to any created thing, in some sense, we're accessing that, that base level of creativity and artistry, um, right? Like basically this is what it means to be human, right? Like this is what, you know, the sociologists say separate us from, from animals and other things, you know, it's that creativity, imagination, empathy, art making, you know, I, I would kind of all consider those synonyms for, you know, what it means to be artists and create. It's what makes us human. It's what makes us reflections of the divine. Um, so, you know, if every connection is a connection um, to what it means to be a created and creative being alive in the world, then everything that we do 
is preparing us to create art and is a part of our art making process. You know, I think it's easy. We all agree when we say like art is more than just when the, the brush hits the canvas or, you know, whatever your medium is, um, because we know that you have to develop skill and discipline and all the other things that go into that. But, you know, it's broader than that, too. All of the things that go into creating our art, our connections that we are just going about making all the time, often whether we want to or not, you know, and I think we can lean into those in a healthy way. But what I keep imagining is um, just this image of a net, you know, that I'm imagining is where it's going to get artsy, you know, out in a forest, you know, and there's, there's trees and, you know, you first, you string one thread between the trees and that's maybe the first spark that, that drew you to art making. Maybe that was um, some skill that someone recognized as a kid or being able to, you know, capture as an, as an identity early on that you're an artist, um, maybe just being able to notice beauty. That was your first thing. And then as time goes on, you, you stretch more and more of those threads. You know, your, your working jobs, your gaining skills, you're doing all these things that are, you know, artistic and obviously developing your skills and ability to create art. But at the same time, you're also stretching all these other things, you know, theologies and philosophies of art and different relationships that you've made and communities that you've been a part of. And when we get to those times when some of those things fail, because some of those things are always going to fail, you know, and that's, I think, what we call those blocks or the dry times of inspiration. You know, some of those threads are going to snap. But if we have built that full comprehensive net of all that it means to not only be an artist, but be a human being, that there are other things to fall back on. Um, so actually answering your question, Kira, <laughs> about what that looks like in, in, in practice is, is I think that it's, that it looks like acceptance. It looks like not, not, um, not just giving up, when there's a block and saying, oh, well, I have a block, I have inspiration, it's okay, there's, there's other things I can do. You still have to have to work through things. But I think that we can shift our focus so that those blocks and those dry spells become actually valid parts of our creative process that we can trust will be used to create deeper, more connected, more meaningful art in the future. Um, you know, they're not just evidence of our failure. <laughs> you know, they they can be integrated parts of our of our creative process, and just that that knowledge I think takes so much pressure off. And and I've I know myself has just actually allowed me to create better work when I'm feeling stressed about the, the season that I'm in. Um, but also is just like healthier as a human being. I think. <laughs> hmm. I love that. Uh, <laughs> there's like so much there. And I was just like trying to be like, I want to take all of that in because that was all just like so good. Um, and I love the analogy of kind of like weaving that net um, and that like when things break, when things don't go well, when a project flops, when, you know, something just kind of sucks or you don't have the idea you wish you did. But you've built that net of connections that remind you of you know, why you're doing this and, and what makes you human and what makes you an artist, but then you're not free falling. You've got something that to land on. And what I hear a lot in that is just kind of the, 
the trust and rest and peace that comes from experience of having that constantly be caught, uh, you know, having something fall and being caught and going, oh, there's more. I am more. I am more than this. There's more for me. Um, and that like built up uh, rest and peace from the experience of not falling to the ground. That's a really, a really cool perspective. Tim, do you, do you think um, that you're pretty good at living that out? <laughs> is that like, well, it, I guess what I'm asking, is that a description of, of how you've come to respond? Or is that more of an ideal of, man, this is how I should respond? I'll, I'll say two things. I'll, I'll say first, it's mostly aspirational. Um, <laughs> but, but second, that someone who is always wanting to find time more time than I have to create, you know, it's a, it's a primary calling and identity, but a secondary use of hours in the day. And by day, I mean, not even every day, you know, and I, I wish it was sometimes not even every week. Um, you know, so part of that is, is being forced to do work of navigating callings, um, you know, because because even if you're not navigating multiple jobs and you're you, you're able to work as an artist, um, you know, there's still other things in our lives that we have to navigate, right? Like no one is ever fully just able to be an artist. I think we'd go mad if we haven't. We we have the historical receipts that people go mad when that's all they have, right? Um, you know, so so it's something that I think we all have to have to work through. That when you're trying to balance those different callings that, you know, for me as a person of faith, I believe are, are divinely ordained, you know, you're like, okay, how can I be an artist? And I'm doing this. I'm trying, I'm doing this and also have a family. I'm trying, I'm doing this. And also, you know, serve in my church. I'm trying, I'm doing this. And, you know, there just isn't enough, enough time or brain space or whatever to do all of them. And so when you're figuring out how to integrate those, those things together, um, I think it has to look like what sometimes feels like less, but I think is more than what we expect, you know, art making or any facet of that to be. So mostly it's a survival instinct of, of convincing myself that, that God is, is trustworthy in his, in his calling of me and that I can be faithful even when my practice of art doesn't look the way I would have thought it would five or 10 years ago. Mm. What about you, Ella? You, like Tim, have a lot of different, well, like all of us, really, a lot of different things going on. You don't focus necessarily on one thing only do you resonate with what he's saying do you, is your answer um go off in a different direction how do you want to how do you want to tackle this i want to just keep listening to tim talk. <laughs> <laughs> i'm literally i'm taking notes <laughs> i i i'm really currently really resonating with a lot of what you're saying i just started reading today i just started reading 
a book by Thich Nhat Hanh called You're Here. He's a Vietnamese monk, and he just passed away this year. And I'm, this is the first of his works that I'm reading. And I'm so invested in <laughs> these ideas. And um, so much of what you're saying, Tim, is like exactly what I <laughs> was just reading today. Um, he has this, I want to read you guys uh, something that he said. Um, that what Tim just said made, made me think of. Um, okay, he says, flowers and garbage are both organic in nature. So looking deeply into the nature of a flower, you can see the presence of the compost and the garbage. The flower is also going to turn into garbage, but don't be afraid. You are a gardener and you have in your hands the power to transform garbage into flowers, into fruit, into vegetables, you don't throw anything away because you are not afraid of garbage. Your hands are capable of transforming it into flowers. I love this when he says, you don't throw, you don't throw anything away and you're not afraid of it. You're not afraid of, this is new. This is new for me. I feel silly even being on a podcast, except that I can be for anybody who's listening and is like, yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. Me too. Um, I've been afraid, I think, for most of my life of just running out of time, that there are so many things, there are so many beautiful things that want to be made and that want to be engaged with. And there's just not, it feels all the time like there's not going to be enough time to do all of them. Um, and so, Kira, when you asked earlier, uh, you initially posed the question, um, how do you retroactively or proactively uh, protect your creativity? Um, it got me, I, I got like panicked in that moment because I was like, I'm not, I'm not protecting it. I, I don't do that. I need to figure out how. And then um, right after that, I got to have a conversation with Don Chaffer um, that was so encouraging in which he said, you know, like he reminded me, nothing is wasted. Um, you look at these careers of the people that you admire, and they did so many different things, and they didn't know how those things were going to come together. And then, like, if you look now, it's just this beautiful, ah, uh, I guess some people would call it a tapestry. I love the net idea, but um, everything, all of the all of the organic, all of the compost and the everything, the garbage and the flowers have all worked themselves into the system that continues to create beautiful things um, in, in the lives of probably most of the artists that we admire. Um, and so today I've, I've just been loving reading about mindfulness and the beauty that you become aware of when you are absolutely completely present in the moment and not worried about your time and not worried about the future and not even worried about the past, just in the moment, eyes open, um, compassionate to everything that you see and not afraid of anything. All of a sudden, everything is connected and you can see the beauty in everything. And that is inspiration right there <laughs> like if you've got a block you know you can like just look at the things around you and anyway now I'm rambling um but, but I'm know, so yeah. 
I was going to say, even so all this language is very high flying, but you know what I love mm-hmm. about the, the garbage and flower analogy is the recognition that like the dry times are garbage. Like, you know, mm-hmm. j- j- just because mm-hmm. we're seeing the value, the value in them or ways that they can be redeemed, like doesn't change the fact that it's just garbage sometimes and it's hard okay. and awful and you have to, you know, so I hope that with all of this yes. flowery language that someone gives like their three methods for surefire overcoming of no. lack of inspiration <laughs> and dry spells. Cause that's what I need. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, that's well, such so a good point, this- Tim, because it's not, it's so important to not um, just brush past that there are times that are so freaking hard. And we don't know how to get out of them or past them or through them. And yeah, but I think to still, I guess at my still naive point in life, I still am thinking, I don't know if this was worth it, but I trust that it won't be wasted. Yeah. 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 In that sense, it's the, it's the aspirational aspect that mm-hmm. Tim was talking about earlier, where it's the knowledge that this is true, which I think is so necessary for us to, 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 to grasp and internalize because during those dry spells, during that garbage time, and it doesn't feel like that to know that at least helps, right? Mm-hmm. At, at least helps to draw us along. If, if that's out of the picture, um, I, I think we all know what it's like when we're down. Like if there's no hope in the picture, um, then it's pretty rough. And so I, mm. I, I love that about, I guess what both of you are kind of lighting on. There's this, there's this, maybe you don't always live it, but there's this knowledge that, um, that there is hope in that, that, that it's not all just really good or really bad, but, coming together um, all will be well from it I guess um, Kira what, what what about you what, what are your thoughts on on this do you feel like you have anything left to give or has it all been said like what, what, what you got no this is awesome uh, I definitely like envision when I was like thinking through my answer I, I, mine was like I didn't have as much of the like philosophy behind it. Mine was a little bit more like, here's my feet on the ground. Here are the things that I do. Uh, So it's really awesome to hear these, like the philosophy behind and realizing like, oh yeah, that is a lot of why I do what I do. Um, But I've gotten into this like point where um, I like, I'm doing the thing uh, and I forget like, why did I build, why did I build this system in my head? Um, Because I'm, I'm very uh, proactive about protecting my like inspiration or creativity because I kind of like vowed to myself that I wouldn't give up. Uh, I'd done a million things, creative, like creative pursuits. Um, but when I like accidentally became a full-time artist, I was like, okay, if we're doing this, then we're doing it. Um, and you're not going to give up because you're scared. And, um, because I think a lot of it, Ella, like the, like, I'm scared because there's so much to do. I'm scared because like, is there's so much to do and how do I know that I'm doing the most important thing? And how do I know that I'm doing it the best that I could be doing it? And how to, like all of those things I'm going like, I'm not going to give up because I'm scared or overwhelmed, whatever. Um, I just have to keep 
showing up and keep being here. And so um, I was like realizing I kind of view my inspiration as this like flame um, and I'm either like cradling it and like protecting it from the wind and it's this tiny flickering thing and I'm just like, don't die, don't die, don't die. Um, being like, hello, I will take you outside. I will feed you bark. I will, <laughs> what do you need? Um, don't die. Uh, or more often, it's this like raging bonfire and I'm working to make sure it doesn't burn out too quick. It doesn't turn to smoke. Um, it doesn't get too hot and destroy things. Because once I do start feeding it, it's like I have a million ideas and I will burn out so quickly. Um, and I hit that point after my first year doing this uh, where I just like didn't want to make art anymore. And I go like, that's not an option uh, because you promised yourself. You promised like the, the part of you that realized that God made you to be an artist, uh, that like you were created, like this is imbued in your bones you promised that part you wouldn't give up. So what's that look like as it changes? And so there's like those, I started implementing like seasons where I would pick up a different medium or I would do something different or I would pick up a project. Um, I go through different phases where I will take on like a large overarching project. Um, that's kind of like big theoretical frameworky kind of whatever. Um, and then the next project will be like, uh, either commissions or something where I'm making something specific for one person, like for humans. And I know their names and I'm like doing pre-orders or something. So it's like an individual direct connection because it's easier sometimes when I'm like burning out to be like, oh, but I, this is my gift to this unique person. Um, so I can do it. Like I can, I can stay on it. I can do it. Or like struggling with this. So let's pick up that medium or I'm struggling with this kind of thing. So I always pick up like a graphic design client in the middle of any huge project launch because it's something that's like a completely different part of my brain um, that again allows me to connect with the humans behind it. It's almost like I go back and forth between like macro um, where you're like big overarching things to like micro individual one-on-one -on -one kind of level. And the back and forth between that feels like it's it means something is always spinning. And so I might feel completely burnt out on one thing. Like I picked up a paintbrush for the first time today in, I don't know, like five or six months. Uh, I was like, do I remember how to paint? I don't know. Um, but I've been doing something that whole, like I've been using my creativity and using my inspiration. And, and that what I always, when I return to a new medium, I realized that like, I almost, I'm, I know it better because I looked at my creativity from a different angle and I connected like the left and right side of my brains. I can, I made connections, uh, and those, those neurons, there's new pathways. And so like, it's actually stronger than it was before I left it. Um, and so going back and forth between like big to small individual scale or, um, really abstract and loose to really technical, and whatever, or, you know, like whatever that is and kind of keeping both sides of my brain going um, and also remembering both sides of that purpose, like whether, you know, going back and forth between like self-expression or like for the needs of a person, um, like telling their story through art or inspiring something specific in them or like whatever that looks like um, and constant like finding that balance of things helps kind of it's like the the ball is then always rolling but in a manageable way because 
Otherwise, it'll just get too overwhelming and there's too many things I want to do um, and it's too big and I'll burn out more than because I feel like I'm not like I'm not up to task. I'm not like enough for all of these ideas I have. And so like finding a way to kind of keep those things in bounds um, so that something is always rolling, even if that's rolling slower than I wish it would, um, because then it's sustainable. Like the goal is just that it's like sustainable. And, um, yeah. So like, that was a lot of like my thinking going into this. And so then I'm, as I'm realizing, I'm like, oh, those are all these like nets and tapestries I've woven across of like knowing Mm -hmm. doing this, this practice is actually like, again, I'm going to be better at it when I return. And so if I feel like it's slipping and breaking, it's not, and it's going to catch, it's going to hold. Or when I get lost in this large, like overarching macro thing, and I forget the individuals, I'm going to come back to them and remember why I do it is for individual amazing humans. And um, realizing like all of these background things, all of that philosophy is why I do these, why I have these really strange business practices and why I feel like a weirdo because people ask me like, what do you do? And it's like a little bit of everything. Um, because, But I have to, or I'll do nothing because I will then try to do everything all at once right. <laughs> and I'll just like explode. Um, and so it's a weird, yeah, it's all a balance, I think, for me. So Kira, you mentioned um, not wanting to give up because you're scared and something that I think I see a lot of in your work is fearlessness and that manifests, I think, particularly in your willingness to embrace a new medium and not just experiment behind the scenes, but to share it relatively quickly much sooner than I I would be brave enough to share it with people. And, you know, I I find that inspiring. Um, But I was wondering if you have anything to say about how you think fear and courage play into this conversation. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Yeah. So like, you know, you were, you were sharing um, when you were talking about the net and talking about your philosophy and what I caught in that was a lot of fearlessness. Also, there's this, this trust that fights back at fear, this trust that I'm going to be caught. This is going to matter that none of this was wasted, like all of those. And that trust that pushes back against fear that says, this is going to be worth it. And this is okay. Um, And if I like boil it down, I think that's a lot of the reason I do feel, I always feel anxious when I introduce a new medium. I'm, I'm always like, people are going to see me as lesser than, or like not serious or whatever, because I'm like, eh, I'm making like 300 bottles of, like, I just sold like 32 liters of liquid. <laughs> like that's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and, and like, I feel, I feel weird. And I'm like, people are going to take that less seriously. I don't know. Take me less seriously because of that. Um, but I, I think the, if there's any trust built up, it's when I said yes to living this life, to being an artist, um, it was, I, uh, I was telling the story in our artist gathering last night, our like community gathering last night. Um, I kind of saw it as like, well, I can't not create that kind of sucks. So I'm doomed to be lonely and making things. So if I'm going to be doomed to be lonely and making things, I might as well do it in a way that is sustainable. Cool. Uh, Destined for, I don't know, very not optimistic. You know, art's scary. Being an artist is lonely. Um, But like starting at that point and going, 
this is like a this is a lifetime thing and so it's gonna evolve and it's gonna change and i kind of don't have anything to lose um anything i've gained is like i have nothing to lose (laughs) um and and everything to gain maybe by being honest with myself by by listening to my creativity um and that that voice that beckons out into something new um I only have things to gain by doing that. And my, like, I think my hope with all of my work, if I was able to somehow boil it down into a paint and paint with that, uh, my hope is that whatever I do inspires people to be in wonder and respond with whatever is natural in them. Like whatever natural response in them is to wonder um, and awe. And so if I can like stay honest to my reaction to awe and wonder, then maybe that'll achieve that. Even if it goes from like, here's this giant abstract like painting and here's this gallery exhibit. Now here's a bunch of bottles of water and paint and swirly stuff. Um, But maybe like I just have to be honest and follow my wonder like the child if like I just kind of trying to honor that like childlike wonder and thus then the childlike faith that says it'll be caught um and even if it's not caught it was worth pursuing it was worth doing it was worth chasing that butterfly even if you won't catch it um because maybe it'll teach somebody else to chase a butterfly too and like that makes me braver nice I think it's interesting that you bring up fear because I think um, when I go through dry spells, it's it's often pretty tightly uh, related to fear. Um, a lot of my life is related to fear. Um, I've, I've realized over the years where um, I care deeply about appearing proficient. And so if, if there's a new area that I want to lean into, I mean, that's going to be hard to do, right? That's going to be hard for me to do, especially in a way that would show people, right? Like what you're talking about, Tim, like Kira throws stuff up on, on Instagram, uh, practically the, the next after hour after she started it, you know, and it's like, Hey world, this is going on. Um, and so like that is that is not me. I'm not leaning into that. And and so I f- I feel like that's really hamstrung me a lot in in my artistic expression and it's maybe not always but oftentimes um tied to those blocks that that I experience. Um I'm going through a, a stage right now where I'm I'm tired of painting, uh, the phrase that goes through my head is like, I'm painting the same old thing. And that Mm -hmm. is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, okay, well, why don't you paint something different? And it's like, oh, well, I want it to be good. You know, I I want it Mm -hmm. to be perceived as good. And so I'm I'm not saying this is how it always is, but I think there's a pretty strong current of this that is present when I do kind of wrestle with with inspiration or lack of inspiration. 
which mm-hmm. is interesting because it just struck me as we were having this conversation. Um, I didn't realize that until just now. But right, like how often do we... we walked into this... You go ahead, Kira. Go for it, Tim. I was just going to say, how often do we, get, say- do we get to live in that place of inspiration? Like, you know, most of our time creating is either fighting against lack of inspiration or fighting mm. the fear of inspiration that we don't know what to do with. Like, you know, th- those times when we get to just live comfortably in just the right Im- amount of inspiration to get done what we want to get done are like almost nothing ever, right? Right. And yet, and yet those grow to be disproportionate in our minds. And so we equate those as the norm or something to be, as, uh, you know, aspired towards. Right. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. What were you going to say, Kira? Oh, just that we are entering this conversation with you, you know, being kind of in a dry patch mm. and trying to work through, um, or like, you know, perceived dry patch. Again, maybe with that, it's like, maybe it isn't a dry patch. Maybe this is the ebbs and flows. Like maybe if we were to look at it a little bit more like the tide, we would have a little bit more grace with things coming and going um, and the rest in that rhythm. Um, but, you know, we, you were coming into this conversation being like, yeah, I'm kind of in one of those seasons. Um, and then this theme of fear came up that we didn't really, well, like we didn't plan for that. <laughs> we haven't planned this conversation. This is all organic. Right. And yeah. um, so listeners, you are, you are here. Uh, this is all, this is all organic. Um but yeah, like how does that realization that, you know, that it might be fear based, what does that make, does that, hmm, does that make a, a dry spell or whatever you want to call it, maybe a less mystical or a mystery, like maybe less intimidating? Yeah, it's, um, if that's what it is, um. I think seeing the bones of it a bit, yeah, demystifies and helps you, helps me maybe know how to approach that or think about it differently. Um, I, I was mentioning this earlier too, like it's so hard for me to often know um, <laughs> what things are in my life. Like, maybe this is lack of inspiration. Maybe this is a block. Maybe this is discouragement over mm. something unrelated. Maybe this is um, me just being really tired. <laughs> and it's so funny because when that realization hits me, the inexactness of my of my ability to, to self-diagnose is... is um, well, it's disappointing for one, but it's also um, it's a little disorienting because it it I think we live by identifying, right? By identifying, labeling, pointing out, and saying, "Oh, this is happening. This is happening in this setting. This is happening in my mind, in my body," and um, and yeah, as I even think about this topic, I realize that I'm I'm probably not the most self-aware person and I can't always even even look inside and and know 
know why I am struggling with this, or even if I am struggling with with a block or if it's something else. And so this is going just way off into left field, but like sometimes I, I, I realize I just don't even know how to answer the question um, completely honestly um, mm-hmm. if, if I'm really kind of looking inside deeply, which is funny because this is kind of what we're trying to get around, but here we are. Right. Well, and I think that's an interesting insight because I think we will likely have listeners because I feel like that's a very common problem is to go like, do I have, you know, you hit like a phase where you go like, I have no more ideas. I'm washed up. I'm empty. It's done. I hit the end of the road. Um, but it might just be, you're tired, you're overworked, you're burnt out or you're discouraged. You had a hard you know, like somebody made a comment and you didn't realize it hit as hard as it hit, you know, mm-hmm. there's all of these things. So I think with that is actually really insightful and probably helpful for, for some listeners who are in that phase to go mm-hmm. maybe like dig a little deeper. Um, it might not be that you're all washed up and you have no ideas, like listen to, I think our, our inspiration. Hmm. I wonder if our inspiration, uh, and creativity is linked to that little kid inside of us. Um, the the quote that like all children are artists, um, and then uh, you know, artists are the adults who didn't who remember something. I think it's Picasso, maybe. I always quote it wrong, and I need to really remember <laughs> it because I quoted a stupid amount for knowing it wrong. Um, essentially, all children are artists, uh, and then and then we forget. Um, and we work our way back to remembering. And I wonder if there, that little, if our inspiration is actually, and, and creativity is actually that, that inner child part of us who's still in awe and wonder and still wants to uh, respond in kind. Um, and that maybe a lot of our creative blocks are just need, us needing to sit down and listen um, and be like, hey, are you scared? Or are you sad? Did you get hurt? Did you, you know, like what, you know, and like listening to that, listening to us, listening to that little child who, um, just sees a really beautiful thing and wants to make art about it. And maybe it's not always that easy anymore. And we're trying to remember. Um, and so maybe like, I think that's a really valid thing, Jamin, to go like, you know, I actually don't know what the cause of this is. Um, because I wonder if that is actually a lot of the core. When we hit when we hit an issue like that, it's not as easy as like, oh yeah, you're just having a block. Go take a walk. <laughs> of course, this podcast isn't going to be like, here are three steps. Go take a walk. Go drink water. Listen to some music. Find a good book. You'll create in no time. Um, of course, it's going to be more like, hey, sit with yourself and figure out why that's happening. Um, be gentle. Trust the tide. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. Um, but I do wonder how much of that is connected. And I believe, I don't think it's a bad reflection on you in any way. I think that's actually a very honest human experience is going, I was really beating myself up and thinking I'm in this dry spell and getting really discouraged. But I wonder if that's just the top and there's more to the story than that. Right. And we're so disintegrated too. Um, you know, that's something we always have to fight against in the particular culture in which we live is that we want to put everything in boxes. Um, you know, and I think it was beautiful what you're saying about, about 
re-engaging with that with that childlike approach Kara because you know that's when we're more fully integrated we haven't learned to to try and put the parts of ourselves into into different boxes so you know like I'm also really bad at self-diagnosing and you know but usually the answer is just like yes it's all the things you know you know like you know I, I just think you know I've like many people I'm sure can relate over the past couple of years I've been struggling with anxiety like I never have before and just the way that that bleeds out into everything, but also like we're so bad at listening to our bodies. Like our bodies are an important part of who we are. And when we're tired, when we're stressed and anxious and often the way that that manifests in our artistic practices is dry spells and lack of inspiration. Like our bodies are telling us something that's important to listen to, whether that means that change needs to happen or rest needs to happen or more community or whatever. It can tell us all sorts of things, but, you know, I want to, I know, always be able to just say, it's this, I fixed it. Um, you know, but sometimes it's like, oh no, I'm tired because I'm tired. And there's an answer for what to do when you're tired. It's rest. You know, <laughs> I'm scared because what's happening is scary. And there's an answer for that. You can either pull back or you can jump in. And either one of those things might be might be the appropriate thing to do at the time, but like just trying to regain some type of childlike integration of all those parts of ourselves to take the endless pressure off. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good. I love it. Um, are there any final thoughts? We're going to kind of wrap up this conversation. It's been so wonderful to hear from you guys, but was there anything else anybody wanted to add or anything you'd like to maybe share with our listeners and be like, hi, lovely you. Uh, any final, any final thoughts? Okay. I'm harping on this, but there's another Thich Nhat Han quote that is so cute. Um, after what both Kira and Tim just said. It's so cute. Well, it is. You'll, you'll understand what I mean. Um, but when you talk about being gentle with yourself, because, because there's a real reason for your difficulty. And if, if you can sit with yourself and sort through it in a healthy way, you can possibly, then maybe possibly you get and and you find a path out of the the dry spell or the difficulty. But he says, um, your heart is like a flower. Is it still refusing to open? Is it still refusing to love? You must ask, my heart, are you ready to open as flowers do? You must ask it that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and that's in the context of an appreciation for every every part of your physical body that is consistently working for you and working through its cycle of life and death in every moment. And your body is under probably physical stress all the time in ways that we don't even realize. And of course that affects our ability to make beautiful things easily. <laughs> and so the idea of, of listening, um, and like being compassionate towards your physical body, I think is a really sweet thing and probably probably healthy and um, for artists especially. 
need to start doing more. Hmm. I love that. It is a cute quote. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You guys are cute. I'm so glad you came and had this conversation with us. Um, it was really wonderful to get to just kind of chat about this, especially since it's something that I think intersects anybody's life as an artist or outputter of creative things. Um, it's a weird way to say that. Uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and, and I think, I, I hope that uh, for all of you listeners, that maybe there's a takeaway in here for you, um, or at least you'll feel less alone. Um, but maybe knowing that um, a lot of these things uh, are a shared human experience, and um, we're all fighting to be brave and uh, and to push back and to keep going. And we believe in you, and you've got this. And it's going to be awesome. So, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. And uh, until next time. The Artists and Podcast is brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To listen to all the podcasts on our network, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. The work we do at the Rabbit Room wouldn't be possible without the generous support of our membership. If you're a member... Thank you for being a part of what is happening here. To learn more about membership and help us continue to create works like this, visit rabbitroom.com slash membership. Mm-hmm.